ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So continuing then on this section regarding the dua the particular chapter that we are on right now then is awqatun yustajabu fiha ad-du'a the times when dua is answered within them there are certain times when it is more likely for the dua to be answered إن الله عز وجل لما شرع لعباده الدعاء ورغبهم فيه وحثهم عليه ووعدهم عليه الإجابة تفضلا منه سبحانه وتكرما هيأ لهم مع ذلك أمكنة فاضلة وأزمنة فاضلة وآدابا عظيمة يكون حظ العبد ونصيبه من القبول والإجابة بحسب حظه ونصيبه من تحقيق تلك الأمور وعنايته بها That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encouraged us to make dua Allah encouraged us to make dua and promised us that he will answer the dua as a virtue from him to us And Allah has made for us certain places and certain times when dua is more likely to be answered. Certain times and certain places when dua is more likely to be answered. فَمِنَ الْأَوْقَاتِ الْفَاضِلَةِ التي يحسن بالمسلم أن يتحرى دعاء الله فيها So from amongst those times when it is more likely for the dua to be answered and one of the times that the Muslim should strive to make dua in is وقت السحر وحين يبقى ثلث الليل الأخير It is the pre-dawn time, the last third of the night. The last third of the night, the pre-dawn time of the night, then that is one of the times when dua is more likely to be answered. It's mentioned in the Qur'an, وَالْمُسْتَغْفِرِينَ بِالْأَسْحَارِ And those who seek forgiveness in that pre-dawn time, in the last third of the night. وَقَالَ تَعَالَى وَبِالْأَسْحَارِ هُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ That they seek forgiveness, بِالْأَسْحَارِ Meaning that pre-dawn time, the last section of the night. And Allah mentioned just before that, كَانُوا قَلِيلًا مِنَ اللَّيْلِ مَا يَهْجَعُونَ Not only very few of them, they awaken at night and they get up at night. 
And then in that last third of the night, they make their istighfar, seeking from Allah the forgiveness. So in this chapter then, some of these times are going to be mentioned. In the chapter, Awqatun Yustajabu Fiha Addu'a 75. In this chapter, the Shaykh also mentions the hadith, Yanzilu Rabbuna Tabaraka Ta'ala Kulla Laylatin Ila Sama'id Dunya. Hina Yabaka Thulothu Laylil Akhir. يقول من يدعوني فأستجيب له من يسألني فأعطيه من يستغفرني فأغفر له That our Lord descends every night to the lowest heaven when the last third of the night remains. And says, مَنْ يَدْعُونِي فَأَسْتَجِيبَ Who is calling upon me and I will answer him? Who is calling upon me, making dua, and I will answer him? And who is asking me for anything and I will give it to him? And who is seeking forgiveness from me, and I will forgive him. وهذا الحديث العظيم يدل على شرف هذا الوقت عند الله وعظم شأنه عنده. The hadith therefore indicates that the last third of the night is a tremendous time. And a favored and virtuous time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ لِكَمَالِ إِحْسَانِهِ وَتَمَامِ لُطْفِهِ يَنْزِلُ فِي ذَلِكَ الْوَقْتِ And from the generosity and kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He descends to the lowest heaven at that time, he descends in reality, in a manner that is befitting of his majesty, to that lowest level of the heaven, and says, who is calling upon me, I will answer their dua, who is asking for anything, I will give it to them, who is seeking forgiveness, I will forgive them. And so this indicates that the last third of the night is certainly a blessed time. The last third of the night is a blessed time. فالحديث دليل على فضل هذا الوقت المبارك. The hadith is an evidence upon the virtue of this blessed time. وَأَنَّهُ أَفْضَلُ أَوْقَاتِ الدُّعَاءِ وَالْإِسْتِغْفَارِ وَالْإِقْبَالِ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِالسُؤَالِ And that it is from the best of the times to make dua and to seek forgiveness and to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
for your affairs, whatever it may be that a person is in need of, whatever it may be that a person requires to call upon Allah for from the halal affairs, then that is a blessed time to call upon Allah and a time when the dua is more likely to be answered. قَالَ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ بْنُ تَيْمِيَّةِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ بْنُ تَيْمِيَّةِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى said وَالنَّاسُ فِي آخِرِ اللَّيْلِ يَكُونُ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مِنَ التَّوَجُّهِ وَالتَّقَرُّبِ وَالرِّقَّهِ مَا لَا يُوجَدُ فِي غَيْرِ ذَلِكَ الْوَقْتِ وَهَذَا مُنَاسِبٌ لِنُزُولِهِ إِلَى سَمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, At that time of the morning, the last third of the night, those early hours, in the final part of the night, the hearts of the people, they have a greater degree of softness to them. They have a greater degree of softness to them and closeness to Allah in their focus at that time in the last third of the night in the early hours. And so with the hearts of the people being like that, it is a more appropriate time for them for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to descend at that time of the night for the people to make dua at that time. And so that's when it is mentioned, هَلْ مِنْ دَاعٍ هَلْ مِنْ سَائِلٍ هَلْ مِنْ تَائِبٍ That is there anybody calling? Is there anybody asking? Is there anybody repenting? And the hearts of the people are softened at that early hour, in the early time of the morning, the last part of the night. Suitable to be making dua at that time and to have that closeness to Allah at that time. That's one, the last third of the night. One of the virtuous times to make dua. To wake up in the last third of the night before Fajr, before Fajr time enters, to pray and to make dua. Secondly, من الأوقات الفاضلة التي يستجاب فيها الدعاء from the virtuous times also where the dua is answered الساعة التي في يوم الجمعة there is a time period a slot on Fridays, there is a particular slot, a time period on Fridays at some point during the Friday when the dua is answered. And that's mentioned in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. فَبَتَ فِي الصَّحِيحَيْنِ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ ذَكَرَ يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةِ فَقَالَ That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned Friday and said 
فيه ساعة لا يوافقها عبد مسلم قائم يصلي يسأل الله تعالى شيئا إلا أعطاه إياه وأشار بيده يقللها It's mentioned in this hadith of Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned Friday and said in it is a sa'ah which can mean an hour or it can mean a certain slot of fixed amount of time and a Muslim servant standing in prayer making dua asking Allah at that slot in that hour if he does it then and asks Allah for something then it will be given to him his dua will not occur at that time except that he is given what he asks for if he ends up making that dua at that particular slot or time on the Friday. The question obviously then is, when is that slot, when is that time on the Friday when the dua is answered? قَدْ اخْتَلَفَ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ فِي تَعِينِ هَذِهِ السَّاعَةِ عَلَىٰ أَقْوَالٍ عَدِيدَةِ تُقَارِبُ الْأَرْبَعِينَ قَوْلًا that the scholars have differed over when that exact time is on a Friday. They have differed over when that time is on a Friday. And there are in fact almost 40, 4-0 opinions. But the strongest of those opinions come down to two opinions. Out of all of those almost 40 opinions, two of them are basically the strongest of the opinions as to when that time is. The first opinion from those two says, أَنَّهَا مَا بَيْنَ جُلُوسِ الْإِمَامِ عَلَى الْمِنْبَرِ إِلَى حِينَ فَرَاغِهِ مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ that it's from the moment the imam on the Friday khutbah, when he comes in and sits down on the mimbar, because when the imam first comes in, gives the salam and sits down on the mimbar, then the then what happens? The adhan is done then. So from the moment the imam comes in and sits down on the mimbar, and then the adhan is going to be done, so now the jum'ah has started. From that moment up until he finishes the Jum'ah prayer. So when he comes and sits on the member, the adhan is going to be done. When that's done, he's going to stand up and do the first khutbah. Then he's going to sit down. Then he's going to stand up and do the second khutbah. He's going to finish that. Then he's going to do the actual Jum'ah prayer to raka'at. When he finishes that, that's when the slot finishes. From the moment he sits down on the member to the moment he finishes the prayer, that time period is the slot on Friday 
That if a believer is standing in prayer making dua at that time, it will be answered. And that's very possible. During the khutbah, you're not supposed to be talking. But during the prayer, the Jumu'ah prayer, during the prayer, in the prayer, in the sujood, can you be making your dua or not? You can. So you would catch the time period and you would be in prayer doing it in the Jumu'ah prayer, making your dua. So that is one opinion and the evidence they have. And if that was the time slot, then we're talking how long? From the moment the imam enters and sits on the member to the moment the prayer is done. What is that time period then? Zuhar. Huh? Zuhar. No, how much time? How many minutes? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. 25 minutes. An hour. They say, of course it differs, there's no fixed amount, it's going to depend on how long the khutbah is, how long the imam takes to do the prayer, it's going to be different. But, the scholars do say, how long should the khutbah be? The prayer depends on the speed of the recitation, etc. But the khutbah, how long is that supposed to be in the sunnah? Approximately half an hour. Anybody else? The khutbah, just the khutbah, not the prayer, just the khutbah. Give us some figure. He said half an hour. Ten minutes. For both parts, the first khutbah, sit down, second khutbah, all of it, ten minutes. What do you say? Three minutes. It's a quick one. Anybody else? It's not mentioned in a hadith as such, but through analysis of the sunnah and through examining the khutbahs of the Prophet and the seerah and what is mentioned about them, it appears that the messenger, his khutbahs would basically be around about 15 to 20 minutes, that's it. 15 minutes, 20 at the top. 15 minutes, the first, second, all of the khutbah. Do the first khutbah, then you sit down, and then the imam gets up and does the second khutbah, all of it together, 15 minutes. 20 at the top. That's what's mentioned from the seerah and the sunnah of the Prophet Because the khutbah on the Friday, it is a sharp reminder. It's not a full lecture, one hour. It's a mistake. Some of the khatibs, they come and they do a khutbah for an hour long. Maybe I've heard even people, one hour, 20 minutes, mashallah. One hour, 30 minutes. In the UK in the winter, you'll be at Maghrib time if you do that. So some of them, they do it and it's a mistake. One hour, 20 minutes, one hour, 10 minutes. Khutbah that long, it is not the way of the Prophet ﷺ in the khutbah for Friday. The khutbah for Friday is short, it is sharp, to the point as a reminder to all of the believers on some particular topic. It could be the topic of istighfar. Short, sharp khutbah, 15-20 minutes about the narrations on seeking forgiveness, etc. 
give all that to the audience. Could be a khutbah on tawheed, short, sharp, main evidences, talking about tawheed and warning against shirk. It is a short khutbah that is done. And then the prayer is supposed to be similar in length to the khutbah. So if your khutbah is an hour long, you're not going to do your two rak'at an hour. They're barely going to take 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Two rak'at prayer, how long can it take? If you recite, سَبِّحْ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ لَعَلَىٰ هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ الْغَاشِيَةِ That whole prayer is going to be what? 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 at most, reciting slowly. So then that matches. That's what the sunnah says. The khutbah should be similar to the length of the prayer. The prayer is going to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So the khutbah should be similar. That's why the khutbah shouldn't really go more than 20 minutes. 20, 25 maybe if you on some occasion. But that's all it is. Khutbahs that are 50 minutes, an hour, an hour and 10 are not really in accordance to the way that the Prophet ﷺ used to do it. So here from the moment of sitting on the member to the moment of finishing the prayer, it could be maybe 40 minutes. It could be just half an hour, half an hour, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, there or thereabouts at most. So that is the slot which is a strong opinion. It's a strong opinion of some of the scholars. That is the time slot on the Friday where your dua is answered. The evidence they use for that is the hadith of Abu Burda, Ibn Abi Musa al-Ash'ari. Anna Abdullah Ibn Umar qala lahu that Abdullah Ibn Umar said to him, أَسَمِعْتَ أَبَاكَ يُحَدِّثُ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم فِي شَأْنِ سَاعَةِ الْجُمْعَةِ شَيْئًا Abdullah ibn Umar, Abdullah, the son of Umar ibn al-Khattab, said to Abu Burdah, the son of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and Umar ibn al-Khattab, obviously big companions. So Abdullah ibn Umar says to Abu Burdah, did you ever hear your father, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, ever speak about when this slot is on a Friday? Did your father ever mention that he heard anything from the Prophet wasallam about when this time slot is on a Friday, where the dua is answered? Qala na'am. He said, yes, actually I did. Sami'atuhu yaqul, I heard him say, سَمِعَتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم يَقُولُ That I heard the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم say, هِيَا بَيْنَ أَنْ يَجْلِسَ الْإِمَامُ إِلَىٰ أَنْ تُقْضَىٰ الصَّلَةِ That it's from the moment or between when the imam sits down on the member up until the prayer is done. And that hadith is in Sahih Muslim. So that is a very strong narration where he says, I heard my father, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, one of the companions, hear from the Prophet saying that it's from when the Imam sits down up until when the prayer is finished. The second opinion which is also very strong, this second opinion now we're going to mention is also very strong. The second opinion says that it is أَنَّهَا بَعْدَ الْعَصْرِ إِلَىٰ غُرُوبِ الشَّمْسِ 
that it is after the Asr prayer on a Friday, up until the Maghrib time, up until the sunset. On a Friday, after Asr, up until sunset. So that again is not an hour exactly. More often than not, that will be longer than an hour. It could be two hours, it could be three hours in the summer months. From Asr all the way till the sunset. And from the evidences they use for that, وَمِنْ أَدِلَّةِ هَذَا الْقَوْلِ مَا رَوَاهُ أَحْمَدُ وَابْنُ مَاجَهُ فِي سُنَنِهِ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ سَلَّامِ قَالْ قُلْتُ وَرَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ جَالِسٌ إِنَّا لَنَجِدُ فِي كِتَابِ اللَّهِ يَعْنِ التَّوْرَاهِ فِي يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ سَاعَةِ لَا يُوَافِقُهَا عَبْدٌ مؤمن يصلي يسأل الله عز وجل شيئا إلا قضى الله له حاجته قال عبد الله فأشار إلي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أو بعض ساعة قلت صدقت يا رسول الله أو بعض ساعة قلت أي ساعة هي؟ قال هي آخر ساعة من ساعات النهار قلت إنها ليست ساعة صلاة قال بلى إن العبد المؤمن إذا صلى ثم جلس لا يجلسه إلا الصلاة فهو في صلاة So the evidence or one of the evidences that you, they use to say that the time slot on a Friday when your dua is answered is actually after Asr up until Sunset is this hadith where Abdullah ibn Salam, he said, I heard the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa oh, I said, I said to the messenger, or rather, I said, whilst the messenger was sitting there, I said, whilst the messenger was sitting there, that we find in the book of Allah, and he was referring to the Torah. He said, we find in the book of Allah, the Torah, that on a Friday, there is a time slot that a believing servant who prays and asks Allah for something in it, then it will be answered for him. That there is a sa'ah, an hour. So then he says, the Prophet ﷺ highlighted to him, أو بعض that it doesn't have to be exactly an hour, it can be a certain time slot, maybe less than an hour. And so he says, you're right, O Messenger of Allah, that's, that's what it said in the Torah. So then he asks the Messenger, When is that time slot then, O Messenger? So even in the Torah, this had been mentioned. So he was telling this to the Prophet ﷺ, and then he asks him, so when is that time then? When is that time? And the messenger said to him, it is the final hour from the hours of the day. That would indicate the last one hour prior to sunset. The last hour from the hours of the day. But then the issue there is, after Asr to Maghrib is one of the prohibited times for prayer. The narration says there is not a believing servant in prayer who makes dua except it will be answered. 
How can you be in prayer in the last hour of the day? It's a prohibited time. And that's exactly what he asked the messenger. He said to the messenger, إِنَّهَا لَيْسَتْ سَاعَةْ صَلَةْ That is not a time for prayer though. That is not a time for prayer. That hour after Asr to Maghrib altogether is not a time for prayer. So then the messenger said, Bala, actually, rather, if the servant, the believing servant, prays, in this instance, the Asr prayer, if the believing servant prays, the Asr prayer, in this instance, but generally any prayer, and then stays sitting there, and nothing else makes him stay sitting there, except the prayer, meaning he's sitting there waiting for the next prayer, Maghrib in this instance, or any other prayer, in any other circumstance, then during that time period, from when he's finished one prayer, and then he stays sitting there in the mosque, waiting for the next prayer, then in the uh, uh, hadith, there are some other narrations, it highlights that this person is considered to be as though he is in the state of prayer. You finish one prayer, you're sitting there waiting for the next one, you are considered to be as though you are in prayer. So that person now could be sitting there making dua, it is as though he is in prayer making the dua. So the hadith would apply. That it's a servant who is in prayer, makes the dua and it will be answered. Al-Hafil ibn Hajar. He mentioned after quoting all of the different statements, وَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّ أَرْجَحَ الْأَقْوَالَ الْمَذْكُورَةِ حَدِيثُ أَبِي مُوسَى وَحَدِيثُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ سَلَامِ He said, from all of the opinions, no doubt the strongest of them is the uh, uh, hadith of Abu Musa, meaning when the imam sits down up until the end of the Jumu'ah prayer, and this hadith regarding the final uh, hour of the day prior to the sunset. They are the two strongest opinions as to when that time slot is on a Friday when your dua is answered. ورجح ابن القيم رحمه الله في كتابه زاد المعاد القول الثاني. And ابن القيم he gave preference to the second opinion that it's basically after the Asr prayer, that final uh, time of the day after Asr leading up to the sunset. That is the strongest opinion according to ابن القيم. So that's the second one. The first one was the last third of the night. The second one, that time slot on a Friday, where there are two main opinions as to when it could be. The third time when the dua is more likely to be answered is the whole month of Ramadan. من الأزمنة الفاضلة شهر رمضان المبارك The whole of the month of Ramadan is considered to be blessed and considered to be a time when your dua is more likely to be answered. 
especially obviously the last 10 days especially the last 10 days but all of it generally and then even more especially obviously the Laylatul Qadr وَقَدْ ثَبَتَ فِي التِّرْمِذِ وَغَيْرِهِ عَنْ أُمِّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَائِشَةِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَرَأَيْتَ إِنْ عَلِمْتُ لَيْلَةَ الْقَدْرِ مَا أَقُولُ فِيهَا قَالْ قُولِي اللَّهُمَّ إِنَّكَ عَفُوًا تُحِبُّ الْعَفْوَ فَاعْفُ عَنِّي there's a hadith where Aisha radiallahu anha said to the messenger, O oh messenger, what if I end up catching Laylatul Qadr? What dua should I make in it? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if you catch Laylatul Qadr, then the dua you should make in it is, Allahumma innaka afuwan tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anni. That, O oh Allah, you are the one who pardons. And you love to pardon, so pardon me. Oh Allah, you are the one who pardons, you love to pardon, so pardon me. The fourth time, when the dua is more likely to be answered, is connected to the other Eid. Ramadan is connected to one Eid, there's another day connected to the other Eid when dua is more likely to be answered and that is the day of Arafah. The day of Arafah is another day where the Eid, uh, the uh, dua is more likely to be answered. وَمِنَ الْأَوْقَاتِ الْفَاضِلَةِ وَالَّتِي يَنْبَغِي لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَتَحَرَّى فِيهَا الدُّعَاءِ يَوْمُ عَرَفَةِ فَهُوَ يَوْمٌ فَاضِلٌ تُسْتَجَابُ فِيهِ الدَّعْوَاتُ وَتُغْفَرُ فِيهِ الزَّلَّاتُ وَتُكَفَّرُ فِيهِ الْخَطِئَاتِ That is a virtuous day when the du'as are answered and people are forgiven within it, their shortcomings are forgiven and their sins are expiated. And it's mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in Sunan Al-Tirmidhi which Shaykh Al-Albani declared to be Hassan. أَفْضَلُ الدُّعَاءُ Dua'u yawmi arafah. That the best of the dua is the dua on the day of arafah. The best of the dua is the dua on the day of arafah. So that was the fourth one. So the fifth one now. The fifth time when dua is more likely to be answered. من الأوقات التي يرجى فيها قبول الدعاء ما بين الأذان والإقامة Between the Adhan and the Iqama For all of the prayers Fajr time the Adhan happens From that point all the way up until the Iqama is done For the prayer to now be prayed That slot is a slot for dua Dhuhr, when the iqama is done all the way up until uh, the adhan is done, all the way up until the iqama is a slot for dua. Asr same, maghrib same, isha same. From when the adhan is done up until when the iqama is done, that time in between is a time of dua. 
and a time where it's more likely to be answered. There's a hadith that mentions this. Hadith of Abu Umamah al-Bahili in Sunan al-Tirmidhi, declared Hassan by a Shaykh al-Albani again, where Abu Umamah al-Bahili radiyallahu anhu said, قيل يا رسول الله أي الدعاء أسمع O Messenger of Allah, which dua is most heard? Meaning that Allah hears it and answers it most. All of the dua is heard by Allah completely. But the meaning of which dua is most heard? Meaning which one is more answered by Allah? When? So the Prophet ﷺ said, جَوْفُ اللَّيْلِ الْآخِرِ The last third of the night. جَوْفُ اللَّيْلِ Meaning the darkest time of the night. And that's right at the end of the night. The, the depth of the night. And دُبُرُ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْمَكْتُوبَاتِ دُبُرُ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْمَكْتُوبَاتِ And also at the ends of the prayers. At the ends of the prayers. In fact, we jumped ahead. This is the sixth one. The sixth one is at the end of the prayer. But what does it mean by the end of the prayer? This is the confusion. Some people think the end of the prayer means after you've given salam. But the meaning of the end of the prayer is the actual end of the prayer. When you're in the final Tashahud, that's the end of the prayer. After that, you're not in prayer anymore. So the end of the prayer, that is mentioned as a time of making dua also. The previous one that we skipped ahead of, the uh, adhan and the iqamah, the evidence for that one is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik. Correct your notes. The evidence for the adhan to the iqamah that is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, where the Prophet ﷺ said, "Ad-du'a la yuraddu bain al-adhani wal-iqamati fadhu." The du'a is not rejected between the adhan and the iqama, so make du'a. It is not rejected between the adhan and the iqama, so make du'a. That is the proof of the Adhan and the Iqama time slot, the fifth one that we mentioned there. Then the sixth one is what we were talking about now, the dua at the end of the prayer. And that was the hadith that we mentioned of Abu Umamah al-Bahili. That's regarding the dua at the end of the prayer. وَأَوْصَى صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ وَسَلَامُهُ عَلَيْهِ مُعَاذَ بِنْ جَبَلْ أَنْ يَقُولَ فِي دُبَرِ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ اللَّهُمَ عِنِّي عَلَى ذِكْرِكَ وَشُكْرِكَ وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ Then, there are other ways to also explain what the end of the prayer means. It could mean after the salam. But after the salam, then there are specified types of dua that are mentioned in the sunnah to do like Allahumma inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik Oh Allah aid me upon your remembrance and gratitude and good worship that is something that can be said at the end of the prayer and dubur al-salah al-madhkur fi hadha al-hadith wal-ladhi qablahu yahtamil qabla salam wa ba'dah 
It could be before the salam, it could be after the salam. وَقَالَ ابْنُ الْقَيِّمُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى And ابن القيم رحمه الله تعالى said, وَكَانَ شَيْخُنَا That our shaykh, and he's talking about Ibn Taymiyyah, يُرَجِّحُ أَنْ يَكُونَ قَبْلَ السَّلَامِ فَرَاجَعَتُهُ فِيهِ فَقَالْ دُبُرُ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ مِنْهُ كَدُبُرِ الْحَيَوَانِ He said, Ibn al-Qayyim, that Ibn Taymiyyah said, that the end of the prayer refers to the actual prayer before the salam, the last part of the prayer. Before the salam is the end of the prayer where you make your dua. And it's possible, and the scholars have mentioned, it could be after the salam. Uh, but what is known from the sunnah generally is that it is not established to make dua regularly after the prayer. But it is established to make dua in the prayer. In the sujood, in the prostration, that is established, making dua at those times. So those are certain time periods, six of them there, where the dua is more likely to be answered, and there are others as well, of course. And some of those others we'll get to next time, uh, because some of those others, they talk about scenarios. Not specifically times, these were specific times, last third of the night, and uh, uh, between the Adhan and the Iqama, these were specific times. Next week we'll look at specific circumstances, regardless of the time. If you are in a particular circumstance, and you make dua during that circumstance you're in, then it's more likely to be answered, regardless of which time you do it at. So we'll have a look at what those circumstances are. And all of us, we find ourselves in some of these circumstances as you'll see. And if you make dua in those circumstances when you're in them, then it's more likely to be answered as well. So we'll conclude upon that for today. Any questions or anything to add up to that? Yeah, between the two khutbas, there is nothing in the sunnah about any dua to be made. A person could do it, but it's not in the sunnah. There's nothing in the sunnah that you're supposed to say something, you're supposed to read something in between the two khutbas. Nothing in the sunnah saying, do this dua or read this or read that. Nothing at all. So, there's nothing established for you to do between the two khutbas. It's probably best that a person doesn't do anything, remain silent, and waits for the imam and then continues. No dua is established at that time. But that time period is caught because the hadith says, whilst you're in prayer. So in the Jum'ah prayer itself, in the prostrations, etc., in the tashahud at the end, you make your dua, you are catching this hadith. You know, it sticks to a wound, you could have both of the times, isn't it? No, of course. Make dua both of the times, no problem. That's even better perhaps. To make sure that a person catches. When they say as-sa'a, like in Arabic, is it different time period? Because for us, like, they didn't really have minutes and seconds back, back then. As-sa'a, like in these days when they say sa'a, they mean 60 minutes. But in the Arabic language, it doesn't mean 60 minutes. It just means a time slot. Could be 20 minutes from the time the imam sits down to the prayer finishing. Could be 20 minutes. Could be 30 minutes. It's not going to be an hour, according to the seerah of the Prophet. The khutbah was only 20 minutes, 15 minutes long. 
So it's definitely not 60 minutes. So uh, and the, after Asr to the Maghrib, that could be 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour and 10 minutes. Doesn't necessitate 60 minutes this hadith about the Friday. Second opinion. Hmm. Um, is, it ne- and is it necessary that the person has to be sitting down for the next salah? He, in order to be upon the uh, uh, prayer, as the narration says, that a servant, believing servant who is in prayer makes the dua, then it would seem to indicate, according to this narration as well, when they ask the messenger, How can you do that? There's no prayer then. He said, if you're waiting for the prayer, you're in prayer. So if a person was in the mosque, you went early for Maghrib, for example, you go early for Maghrib, and then you start making dua until Maghrib comes. So now you're in prayer waiting for that. If you don't do that, you're just at home, then you've not caught the aspect of being in prayer. You're not in prayer. If you're just at home making dua, then you're going to go to the mosque later on. You would be missing that section of the hadith, but still, as the scholars say, يُرْجَى khair. That we hope that Allah would still answer your dua, of course, etc. But to be implementing it perfectly, then you should be in a state of prayer, which would be waiting for the prayer. Anybody else? Just divert on the subject, just about Umrah. If, uh, if you've got a, like, um, parents who want to do Umrah on their behalf, do you get the same reward as them, or do you get some kind of reward for it? Uh, so when a person does Umrah on behalf of somebody else You get the reward of doing it as well You get the reward of performing those actions of worship But then also who you're doing it on behalf of Is given the reward of the actual Umrah as well Of having performed an Umrah But the person who does it gets reward You get reward for doing that You do Hajj on behalf of somebody You get reward for doing that you do Umrah on behalf of somebody, you get reward for doing that. You're doing an act of worship still. And then the person you do it on behalf of, they are given the reward of that Umrah and Hajj as well. How much uh, an equivalence, Allah alam. But you are rewarded without a doubt. Hmm. Sir, I've heard that some of the scholars they say that once you pray the witr, you should not really pray anything after that. If you sleep after your witr and then you wake up with the hajj, I know you can pray, but is it better not to pray after you pray witter, or is there no harm? No, you can. And then the scholars just say you'll have to uh, uh, make the witter up again. How? Anybody? If you've prayed witter, and then you need to, and then you wake up, for example, you weren't planning it, so you prayed witter and went to sleep, but then you woke up in the last third of the night. And now you want to pray. So you could pray. You could pray, but then what are you going to do with that witter? The last prayer is supposed to be a witter. How are you going to do it? Any fatwas? Maybe just continue the witter you pray and then keep it an odd number. So continue the witter and keep it as an odd number? Sort of. Scholars do mention it. This one is your homework. In the other places we do homework. I always forget here. Homework this week, everybody have a look and find some answer from the scholars. Sheikh Bin Baz, Sheikh Al-Ithameen, Sheikh Al-Albani, 
Sheikh Fawzan, any one of the scholars, have a look at their fatwas and find a fatwa where they are explaining what you do in that situation. If you've prayed with and gone to sleep, but then you happen to wake up and you want to pray night prayer, then how do you do it? Because witr, you've already prayed it. Everybody have a look and let's see how many people can find the fatwa and bring it next week. Anybody else? How do the sisters take advantage of that if they're not going for Jummah prayer and they wouldn't normally sort of be in the masjid No, a sister doesn't have to be in the mosque. She can be at home sitting in her house and she would still be considered waiting for the prayer. Because for her, it is better to pray at home. So if she was sat there early, she sits down now, finished all her jobs, everything else, sits down now an hour before Maghrib, Quran, etc., just waiting now in that room to pray. So she's in that same state. And during the earlier time, again, it's for the women, there's nothing like you can take it away from them. At the time of the Jum'ah, she's going to pray Dhuhr at home anyway. So if she was to make Dua during the Dhuhr prayer, again, as the scholars say, Yurja Allah al Khair. We hope goodness for her and that her Dua is answered also. Hmm. More question. This is the the combining of the slab for the traveller in in the city which he's going to. As he's going to. So if he's travelling to work every day in a different city, can he still combine the slab every day if he's going to you know to work every day in a different city from his home? It is possible if a person is travelling the distance that is uh, that constitutes travelling. And that's obviously differed over. Some of the scholars, they say it's got to be 40 miles before you can consider yourself a traveler. 50 miles, some of them mention. 80 kilometers. So there's a difference about what constitutes a journey in the first place. But let's say you have now done what constitutes a journey. And your workplace is somewhere that constitutes a journey. Then it is permissible it is permissible for you to combine or shorten the prayers, the dhuhr and asr when you're out there during the day working. It is possible. If, however, like in the summer months, you're going to get back home at 6 p.m., then you don't need to combine, as a Shaykh al-Athameen says. Because when you get home, you can pray your asr full four rakaat in the summer months. In the summer months, you get back, say, 6 o'clock from work. Maghrib is until 9 p.m. or something, 8.30 in fact, you could come home and probably even catch the jama'ah still, if you get back at 6. Even if you don't get back at 7, the shaykh says, you're going to get back with enough time to pray your asr full when you get home. So somebody could follow that methodology, that in the summer months, when they're out there, okay, you could pray your dhuhr as two raka'at as a traveler. And you don't necessarily have to combine your asr with it every day. You could leave that, and when you come home, pray it full. But technically, yes, you could. If you are going somewhere every day that constitutes a journey, then technically you can uh, take the rulings of a traveler. Hmm. What else? I've got a question about what? In terms of Ramadan and following in terms of ah. um, Obviously, you shouldn't be a muqallid and a mutaassib towards the madhab. But can you, you know, on the other hand, let's say if. Uh, you, you predominantly take from the Hanbali scholars and Hanbali fiqh opinions. But then you see from, for example, the Shafi, the Maliki, if they say a particular thing, it's not n- known which is stronger necessarily which. Can you 
mix between the malakir or should you stick within the usul of the madhab or like are you, are you allowed to basically just follow any opinion that you want as long as there's some evidence for it like, can you pick it is there pick and choose from that angle basically it's not picking and choosing though when it comes to those kinds of issues you're going to look at to the best of the ability of a person obviously if someone's not a student and doesn't have ability they are their options are going to be chosen in a much lighter way. But a student who has some ability, you're going to look into the evidences and decide on what is the strongest. It's not just a case of pick and mix, it's what is the strongest upon the evidences. And that means you will end up taking opinions from the different madahib. You could end up taking opinions from here, from there, but it's not about pick and mix, it's about what is the strongest. You could have most of your opinions in one particular madhab, but there could be certain issues where clearly another madhab, Al-Imam Malik or Shafi'i or whoever, clearly their evidences are far stronger and their explanation is far stronger, so then you would take that. You take the evidences wherever they are. Hmm. This came to my mind. Hmm. Um, it's, it's it, the the, the for the traveller. It's, it's, it's not a big one who's travelling for the Jummah. Hmm. Say if he's trying to work every day to a different city, so would it still be obligatory? You know, would it be not funny? Yeah, so, uh, technically, the ruling isn't upon him, uh-huh. but in that kind of situation, then the scholars have advised you should not put yourself into a situation where you're never going to pray Jummah. So, a person should look to see what he can do with his work schedules or whatever. And even if you are traveling, then it shouldn't be the case that so for 40 weeks of the year. You're never going to pray Jumu'ah. You're only going to pray when you have your weeks off. That wouldn't be suitable for a Muslim at all. So even if you're traveling and you come across a mosque somewhere, you should pray the Jumu'ah then. Otherwise, it's a problem. Somebody working and they're traveling all the time, their job is in another city. So you're never going to pray Jumu'ah all year, just those five weeks when you get holidays, couple here, couple there. That wouldn't be befitting. That's why some scholars say when you're traveling, if you happen to be right next to a mosque, Sheikh Fawzan says this. If you're traveling, you have the right to combine and shorten, etc. But if you happen to come across a mosque right there, you're traveling. Then go in and pray with them. Don't say, well, I'm traveling, I don't have to go in there, I'm just going to come. It's right, then just go in and pray. Go in and pray with the Jama'ah. So Jama'ah, a person, even if they're traveling, could easily organize their affair. That uh, during the lunch hour, etc., they go to a mosque or they're close by somewhere, they can pray their Jama'ah. But it wouldn't be suitable for a person to miss their Jama'ahs the whole year round. And they only pray a handful of them on their holidays and days off. Hmm. All right, we'll conclude upon that. Inshallah, I'll resume next week at the same time, 8.30 p.m.